Podcast, the Thoughtful Book Club podcast featuring two friends. I'm Travis, joined as always by my co-host Amanda. Hey Amanda. Hello. We are here today with a book highlights episode for books 19 through 24, numbers that, wait, is it 24? already i'm frozen <laughs> 24 it's 24 sorry we do six books in the highlights um yeah, if you're yeah. finding this episode and you've never listened to the podcast before you're actually in the perfect place so stick with us while we set up this episode and you'll get some book recommendations soon if you've listened to one of these before you know then that the book highlights episode is meant to take the previous six things we've read six books we've read and discuss them broadly um, we are not here to spoil anything or talk in too much depth we will try and highlight each book go over what makes it good or perhaps not so good and sort of broadly talk about the work does that sound about right amanda that sounds correct to me are you prepared to recommend something more than others you got an early favorite here want to spoil anything for later (laughs) (laughs) i i do have a favorite (laughs) okay okay yeah yeah you're gonna withhold that that's fair i like to build the tension anyway As I mentioned, we are the Lightly Literary Podcast. If you don't follow us on social media, please do so. We have a Facebook and Instagram pages that are kind of up to date, or at least getting there. So check us out there. You'll find our reading schedule and the books we've chosen, the things we have coming up. Um, It is just at the Lightly Literary Podcast, which is all one word on both. So again, Facebook and Instagram at the Lightly Literary Podcast. Anywhere you found this podcast, if you could rate it and recommend it, I guess, or, you know, promote it or write write a little review, we always appreciate that. And it helps a ton. So that is requested and appreciated. Let's get to some highlights, Amanda. The books we're going to be talking about today for the uninitiated listener or perhaps somebody who hasn't been checking out books in our feed lately. Again, this is the perfect place to jump in. Today we'll be discussing six books. They are in order that we read them. Field Notes from a Catastrophe, which is a climate change nonfiction book. Then Burnt Shadows, which is a novel about the effects of the atomic bomb? I don't. Is that too simple? <laughs> it's about it's, a lot of things, I guess. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of things in there. <laughs> yeah, that was a purposeful pause. That was not. I was not taking a breath or something. That was. I was puzzled. Uh, then there's True Grit, which is about, which is a western about a, a teenage girl getting revenge. Then Homegoing, which is a novel. Again, it's a novel, but it every chapter is a new character, so it's kind of a long history of the legacy of West African slavery. That's yeah, I guess it's a decent way to put it. They yeah. both die at the end. Another novel. This was a friendship, kind of a teen friendship story. It's a young adult book, and then another novel. We really hit the novels hard there in the back half. Ooh, yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, some, yeah, something wicked this way comes, which is a friendship survival kind of a horror story. It's not scary, but it is. It's kind of intense and spooky. Maybe spooky is the best word for it. What do you think? Yeah, it's like an Edgar Allan Edgar Allan Poe esque type of feel Indeed. to it, I guess. Yeah. Yes, very well said. So those are the books we'll be discussing. Just as a quick heads up, let's dig into the kind of recommendations and highlights here, Amanda. The first segment we're going to start with, we always do, are just some free associations. So for each title, we have put down the first thought that comes to our heads, usually, hopefully a noun, but I'm not really doing the noun things anymore. I always (laughs) struggled with that format. I'm just picking a word or a term that comes to mind first. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, we'll talk about our association and try and just give you a sense of what the book's about or maybe some of the topics themes of the book amanda let's do so we'll go in order let's do field notes from a catastrophe first amanda first word and what's what's on your mind here scientists mm. yeah i chose that because actually that was like my favorite part of the book was the, the some of the dialogue from the scientists and this is nonfiction, so that tells you a lot i think 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I think that's a great one. Do you think only scientists should read this book? No, definitely not. It's broken down so that everybody can read it, but the the scientists that it's not just dry facts that are facts and statistics thrown at you. The scientists are actually very much humanized and have a pretty good sense of humor a lot of the time, apparently. So that's what I enjoyed about it. Yeah. No, it's, I think it puts the science in a pretty digestible way. I also don't think, do you think it would change any minds? We talk about this a ton in the episodes about it, but global warming is kind of, it's pretty polarized still in some senses. I feel like it's gained a little bit more common consensus, but yeah, I don't know if it's a mind changing kind of book, but it is awfully persuasive in its thoroughness. Yeah, for sure. It's it's very yeah. approachable and it's not as uh there's a lot of information there without it being like overly preachy or anything like that. It's definitely not that. Yeah. And I think, I mean, my criticism of it with my bias showing would be maybe preach more. <laughs> I think what we need now is a preacher <laughs> or something. Yeah. I don't know what we need, but yeah, that's definitely true. My, the word I thought of was awful. Uh, it's just an difficult, not that the book awful... was awful. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. I'll unpack this. It definitely was not that it's just that the situation is very naughty and naughty with a KN, so it's just very kind of tangled and becomes hard to unpack. I think the book does great with the science, but I'm just not the person who needs persuasion on that front. So it yeah. just, not that it was even, it was well done, thorough, interesting people pop up in it. She talks to so many experts. It definitely hit topics I'd never read about in regards to global warming. So that was nice too. It's like I'd never studied the tree frogs of what was that like Central America, Honduras or something. <laughs> yeah. I, I forget where. So it's, yeah. yeah, it's definitely thorough and interesting. And, and it's not like I regretted reading it, but the social stuff, the political stuff is lighter. And so I just think a lot of the conversation has to shift there now. Because the mm-hmm. science is in, <laughs> despite what you may have heard. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it was just—it's just an awful thing to untangle. That's all. That's the reason I thought of that first, because it is a messy thing. But the book is great and interesting, easy enough to read. How about I'm—I'm I'm just gonna have you do all yours first. Is that oh, okay. cool? Sure. That's the format. Yeah. We're plan- planning on the fly, you know, organizing on the fly. Let's do burnt <laughs> shadows next. So for burnt shadows, what do you got? I have the idea of legacy. Um, and not necessarily like in a positive way, but, um, when you were describing the book before, it's like there was that significant pause because there's just so much to unpack with this book. But one of the threads that I found the most, uh, compelling as I was reading it was the idea of, um, Mm. legacy in, in as much as like cultural legacy, how that affects you and how that your culture that you come from fits in with other cultures and how that can have like a rippling effect on others around you. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I think I, mine, let me just segue right to mine. Mine is pain and trauma, but I was thinking of it generationally too, because it is a book about yeah. legacy of generations of family inheritance of certain things. Not of course, property wise, right. <laughs> but that's a right. weirdly a small part of it. Kind of, <laughs> we all, we joked about her uh, or his house in Japan at the beginning of the story. Yeah. But yeah. It's about how these ripple effects happen and event happens to a person. And as they continue to live their life, uh, the, the, the history of that, the pain of it can reverberate. So, and it becomes generational by the end. I think even the cover of the book explicitly says it's a generational tale. So it, I think it very does, much, 
Yeah, very much meant to be that sort of storytelling. Pretty epic in scope, Burn Shadows. It's capital N novel, very literary, you know, very ambitious, and I think stylistically pretty interesting too. So yeah, yeah pain and sure. trauma, family. I think also imperialism could have worked. We talked about that quite a bit. A lot. So. Yeah. Yeah. Another, yeah. Another one of the things to unpack in the <laughs> in the novel. Definitely. Yeah. Check out that book recommendation episode if you want a, a I don't know, serious, but it's a serious novel. It's also pretty approachable. It's not, it is not too winding or complex. I think it's, it's meant to be engage, engageable. I'm just going to keep making up my nouns. <laughs> meant to be engageable, <laughs> engaging. Um, next novel here, there are mostly novels here on out, is True Grit. What do you got for True Grit? Comebacks, as in like sass and yeah, talking back okay. to people. Yeah, because that was like... The, the the main character's characterization is just the best and and I just love her little comebacks calling everybody trash and stuff. It's great. <laughs> yeah. It's it's such sass. It's just the yeah. only way to put it. Yeah. And it's so well realized on the page. You don't need an actor's sarcasm or wit or charm or delivery because yeah. it's just so well written and I think it helps a ton that it's first person narrated because she's even when she's not sassing somebody, she's having some kind of interesting reflection or giving a really aggressive point of view directly. Yes. So it's, she is very opinionated for a teenager. <laughs> well, maybe not yeah. because teenagers do tend to be very opinionated, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, she's narrating it as an adult, which I think helps, you know, yeah. a ton yeah. as well. Yeah. So, yeah. My, mine is Western, which I, I almost hesitate there because it's boring. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. My free associations are pretty uninteresting. No, I think <laughs> I, it, it, it is a typical Western in the sense. Uh, the main thing I'd reiterate here, or not reiterate, but say, you would... You might love this book if you hate Westerns. Like, really, it doesn't really matter. The trappings are there, sure. But I just think the characterization pops, the kind of timelessness of her struggle and her personality, the way it bumps up against the mission she's on and mm -hmm. the, the complement of those two things. It, I don't think you need to like Westerns. I'm really neutral on Westerns, you know? I don't have any special of you know love for them and you know, storytelling affinity for them. So True Grit is just... It's just hilarious and insightful, just charming too. And yeah, I don't know. It's incredible. So, but I said Western because I don't know what my brain is boring. <laughs> no, it makes sense because like there are a lot of like Western tropes with it. But then the fact that it's told from a strong female narrative voice yeah. also spins the Western tropes like on its head. So it's actually, it's, it, it would be an interesting study on, on like, an evolving form of westerns i suppose definitely yeah it is i think I, and i'm not in the i've never been in the that area of i don't know what you call it, like studies or i've never thought about westerns from a scholarly point of view but it's it's got to be if not a landmark uh, something important in that sense it's it is typically a very masculine genre yeah. you know mm -hmm. so i think that it stands out for that reason Mm -hmm. uh, next is Homegoing, which was, again, the kind of transatlantic slave narrative that spirals uh, also along generations. Uh, what did you say for that one, Amanda? Um, I actually said trauma for this one, which is what you said for Burnt Shadows. And I think for a lot of the same reasons, Burnt Shadows and ho um, Homegoing, I guess, have, have some themes that are fairly similar, just different... Mm -hmm. um, 
cultural beginnings. But yeah, yeah. The, the it's inherited trauma specifically from because it's also generational <laughs> and uh, right. you follow this family through where you begin with one traumatic event that just continues to affect uh, the descendants um, of, of this one family. Yeah, yeah, trauma. I also went pretty kind of blunt force obvious with this one because my free association was slavery, mm-hmm. which is, by the end of the novel, not explicitly part of the storytelling anymore. In fact, it does it open pre-slave trade? I think it does. I think the first character is either pre or maybe right at the outset of something. Right at the beginning, yeah. Yeah, so it, it, I mean, that's a huge chunk of the storytelling, just to be clear, both in Africa and then also in the States. And I don't think it, does it veer out of the States in the Western Hemisphere? I don't don't think think so. so. No, but, and so, you know, and then there's things in there about, there's Jim Crow era issues, there's Civil War era issues. It's very ambitious, I think. You know, maybe it buckles a little under its own ambition, so to speak. It switching up the character every chapter is quite a task, and she's she's up for it for sure. It's interesting. Some of the chapters, obviously, with that format, are stronger than others. I think is my takeaway, or was a takeaway, but yeah, and it's very much about the I don't know historical ramifications of slavery. Again, you don't have to brace yourself for like, well, my is every chapter going to be almost like the 12 years of slave film approach of just really intensive, brutal looks at American, uh, the American version of that slave trade and all those sins and all that. And it's just not. There's a chapter that I think is similar to that or akin to that, but it does uh, explore many avenues, I guess. So, yeah, yeah. My free association with slavery, but I that's limited in a sense, too. Well, that's the, the like the beginnings of the the trauma of the family, right? So, like the very first mm-hmm. traumatic event is actually a result of uh, one of the characters' moms being a house girl in Ghana right. at the time, and then the trauma starting there. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Good word too. That was homegoing. The next novel that we covered, we're on the novel streak. They both die at the end, which is a young adult novel, as we mentioned. Amanda, your free association for that one? Um, Chances. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, taking a chance, but also being given chances, and the idea of, like, um, almost, like, fate and destiny and how that ties Mm. in with, like, some of your, the things that happen in your life and just taking chances, really, um, by the end of it. Yeah. And I think it would not, it's, you can't consider this a spoiler. It's on the cover of the book. It's the whole premise of <laughs> <Yeah>. the novel. <laughs> but the whole premise is that two, there's two main characters. And in this imaginary future world that they inhabit, uh, Earth, uh, specifically New York City, it's very much like today. But there's a service that will, can, they can tell you exactly the day you're going to die. And they inform you of it the day of. And they just give you a little warning. And as far as the book knows, or as far as everyone in the world thinks, it, it's 100% accurate it's never wrong (laughs) so that's the and then they just so it's about these two people kids they're both teenagers and how about they how they go about the rest of their day um basically with that in mind the title they both die at the end well it's it is a title (laughs) i guess i won't say more but it's true i don't know it's weird to call it a spoiler it's the title of the book um i went with friendship 
mine seems a little, again a little more obvious than yours, but you know I'm just living my honest truth. It's you know they intertwine these characters, these unlikely in a sense characters. They're foils, you know, literary foils in that way a bit. Um, maybe a little too explicitly, but <laughs> they definitely it function that way. Yeah. And it's just a kind of a nice tale of a burgeoning, you know, all too short lived friendship that. I guess I won't say more because that I feel like I, I do want to, but it would spoil. And that's definitely our, our intention with these episodes. But yeah, it's kind of a, in some senses, it's it's kind of a quiet story, obviously, as they go about exploring the, their finality. But then it it does add in some what I would call like young adultish melodrama to that. I'm not sure if that feels fair to you to say. Uh, no, I, I I think that's very fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at the core of it, it is an exploration of friendship. How do you appreciate someone at the end? Or even maybe for a brief period of time, that's a pretty important factor. Is like they don't have a long time to know each other. So it, yeah. Yeah. And how, how um, I think friendship is, is a major theme because it's also like not just that their friendship is burgeoning, but also the friendships that they had made before and how they deal with telling these people that they're going to be gone soon right and so exploring those relationships too definitely and the final book again a novel here is something wicked this way comes and amanda your free association with that novel is mood um Hmm. because ray bradbury just i mean the way that he writes and sets up the setting and the characterization and everything else is just Man, it, it definitely gives you like a creepy feeling. He does a really good job with that. Like I said before, it's almost like yeah, Edgar yeah. Allan Poe, um, the way that he could just like make you kind of feel nervous as you're reading is, is how um, I read this as well. Yeah, pretty dread inducing. Yes. And definitely has an ominous, at every turn, the, the boys in the story, the main characters encounter some other ominous element of it's it's about a carnival that comes to town you know a fair a carnival so it and with that comes the mood you know oh yeah yeah it's pretty telling that you chose a literary word for that one and i did too kind of <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. like the one it was probably the most explicitly trying to be literary book that we encountered in a sense it's it's very intensely written and ambitious in its style so my association was ancient but i then i when i thought about why i said that word first i think it's because it deals with a lot of archetypes it deals with a lot of you know these cross-cultural human almost psychic or psyche based ideas images thoughts some there's some ancient evils in it let's say evils that go beyond you know basic human understanding or something and it also you know it also has pretty simple archetypal literary stuff in it weather is a big factor kind of symbolic the friendship at the center of it very much fulfills those things there's even some father-son dynamics that you could call archetypal in a way and maybe even some gender stuff too so it just it wants to deal with big ideas even if the premise is kind of again fantastical not not silly but i mean it's about a small town and a carnival that comes to town so we're not talking grand stakes it's it's an interesting combination of a kind of a simple small premise and then married against a really potent intensely written style so mm-hmm. yeah the um i think at one point in the book too there was even like the word primordial so oh yeah yeah so i think ancient is definitely fitting for that and and we talked a lot about archetypes for 
um, the podcast about it. So, yeah. Yeah, I kept coming back to that. Tried to get away from it and just kept dragging myself back to the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like at some point I was explicitly trying to avoid saying the word, but I went full broken record and said that probably 30 to 50 times across both episodes. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you pick up on something in a book, you pick up on it, right? You got to let your analysis just kind of fly and exactly. see where it takes you. Yeah, not ashamed of it. Not ashamed. Any other free associations that you wanted to throw out there? Nope, I'm good. Okay, that was our honest reactions to the things we read and what we thought about. Let's move to another segment then, Amanda. This is a segment called This or That, where we set up two categories. One is this, one is that. And then we each pick a book that would best fulfill that category. So we're trying to, at this point, you know, categorize the books for you, give you a sense of what they might fulfilling your life or a reading desire that you have maybe these could fulfill that so we'll start with this one uh, i'll go first on these i guess i mean just since i put you behind it last time yeah <laughs> um a book i'd take to the beach or a book you'd like to study in class or i'd like to study in class so we've got beach book class book for beach i'm going true grit full-on uh let's check the boxes right it's very readable it's mm-hmm. humorous it is pretty quick moving and not very long it's I think I said humorous, but it's like outright, I, you know, you'll outright laugh out loud, I, I think, at this one, which I did. It's just thoughtful enough not to feel, you don't have to hide it in your beach bag or something. I don't know if people yeah. do that, you know, just be proud of what you want to read, like who cares. But at the same time, it's, you know, you can read it and it has some literary merit, I guess we could say. So yeah, I think it's just such a home run beach read. And I, I just can't imagine if you've had a cocktail or two on the beach that you wouldn't laugh at the narrator, whose name I don't remember. I I don't remember any names. Uh, Maddie? Maddie. <laughs> it... Yeah. Her name oh, is Maddie. Nice. Yeah, good job. Perfect. Oof. Jeez. That's like a, for me, that's quite an impressive feat. So that's my, <laughs> <laughs> that's my beach read. And then to a book to study in class. And this is an interesting pick because I'm choosing Homegoing, which is again, the transatlantic slave trade kind of novel. I just think, so I'm picking this for a not so complimentary reason, which is I just think it touches on a lot of topics and then moves on quickly. It's the very premise of the story. So in a storytelling literary sense, it has, I think, that kind of interest and drive to it. Mm-hmm. But it, it also did feel a bit shallow to me at the same time. Felt like, again, a couple of the chapters didn't work maybe as well as the others. So the reason I would pick it for studying a class is because it's almost like for every chapter of that book, you could just say, here's a book for that area (laughs) or like if you want to know more about that you should really read this you know so i don't know if i would study that book per se but it is kind of a 101 overview so you can you could take those ideas or curiosities and branch out so that's why i'm picking it for class Um, how about for your picks for these um for beach read i actually said they both die at the end um yeah. For some of the the same reasons where it's a very easy read it's a fast read i think Mm -hmm. i i mean True Grit is also a fast read because it's a smaller book. Um, yeah. But uh, they both die at the end. It's just something that is like, it's, it's a book that you don't necessarily need to study. I mean, the the author sometimes takes pains to point out symbolism. So it's a it's not like you yeah. have to put a whole lot of thought <laughs> into reading this. So definitely. you can definitely drink and read at the same time. Um, yeah. <laughs> And uh, for class, what I would study in class is Burnt Shadows. Mm. I did study this in class. Cheater. <laughs> in yeah, grad school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but also, I just, I think that it's um, the, the writing style from an English major perspective. It's, it's a great study um, for that. There's a lot to unpack there. 
Um, but also for like a history class or a culture class, these would be or uh, a class about um, about current events or any any of those. It, it just touches on so many topics that you could really study. There's just so yeah. much um, stuff that that's there for you to do more research on. And and I think that that's why I chose uh, that one for that. Yeah. And I remember I won't say it here because of the thing I'm about to say, there's a topic that becomes extremely important in the book. And when you told me the name of the class you studied it under, yeah. my because we were still pretty early in the book when you said it, my yeah. reaction was kind of like, why? Because <laughs> it wasn't a relevant <laughs> topic yet in the book. So it was just kind of like, what? Okay. So yeah, that, that hopefully is an example to illustrate its ambition. Because it definitely by the end it's engaging with some ideas that are it's both you know thematically connected but also like a different political context that yeah means you can study it pretty differently man that was vague hopefully that made sense to a (laughs) someone who hasn't read the book but yes it's yeah anyway that's a good one for sure (laughs) yeah it's a great yeah it's a great novel all right next category this or that a book you'd read to feel better or a book you'd read if you want to mope a classic category for us so I hate to do it, but I think, I mean, the point of these episodes, right, Amanda, is to just overview yeah. and kind of recommend in that way. It's like a recommendation 2.0, you know, a little. I'm going True Grit again. I don't care if I talk about it too many times. It was probably my favorite <laughs> book that we did in this batch. So I felt better every time I picked up that novel because it's yep. incisive. It's funny. It's really clever and smart. It's like deeply thematic if you want to engage with it in that way. It's it's interesting. It's not too overbearing. The narrator's just got the most, I don't know, I keep wanting to say so many adjectives, but it's just such a whip smart the voice it's just a very sharp voice and very well realized so i don't know i felt better reading it all the time and it's a revenge story about a person's dad who gets murdered so i mean it's thematically kind of intense and but it's yeah anyway i just that's my honest reaction and then a book if you want to mope I mean, it's existential moping, but it's field notes from a catastrophe, right? I mean, it's yep, <laughs> there. Now, Grant, she, I guess I'd say this about it. She does not, there's no chapter where she wallows fully and there's no chapter where she doesn't highlight some solution or thing happening of note of hope. Granted, some of those are inadequate or will not work fully or have given, been given up on or whatever. So it's realistic, too. It's not a hopeful book, but she doesn't allow the book to become full-on doomsday prepper attitude. It's just... Yeah, it's just every solution is painful. So it's I don't think even if you're a person going to it thinking optimistically, which is, you know, healthy and good, we need that. Even then, I think you'd have to come out a little mopey. I mean, again, though, it's not I don't know. It's more of an existential weight than a kind of a or philosophical weight or something um, than it is maybe like a personal emotional uh, kind of mope. My um. My choices for this category are the same as yours. Um, Beautiful. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> so with True us, yeah. Grit, um, it was just so funny. And anything that makes me laugh makes me feel better. Um, mm-hmm. And I definitely yeah. laughed during this book. And I think that the characters um, are just so entertaining. And it's a, a feel-good book, too, in a lot of ways. Um because you know it's a revenge story but it's like you just love this character so much and it's just by the end you're just like oh yeah that's a that's a really 
entertaining, short, to the point, but really well-realized story Yeah, that yeah. Um, that's just so much fun to read. Um, Moping, of course, is Field Notes, because even though she tries to infuse hope <laughs> throughout the, the book, um, and she does explore some solutions that other countries have implemented, and mm-hmm. certain things, yep. like there's like the the protocols and accords and all these other things that other countries are uh, promoting. Um, what's, what is sad is just how the American political system has kind of just not <laughs> done like anything yeah. hardly. Um, and the, especially with like changing mm, political climates and stuff like that here it's uh inconsistent the the way that we treat climate change so even though there's like a lot of hope she she gives some dire information dire statistics and stuff and backs everything up with with scientific studies at the same time it's like that's really worrying she says oh don't worry there's this solution this is what we can do and then politicians look at that and they're like yeah, no, we're not doing that. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, yeah. yeah. It's a passive approach. It'll yeah. fix itself in time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it also takes a pretty broad view at times, of course, as scientists are wont to do, and that's fine. And so part of it is the, the kind of mopiness is sort of her not shrugging the shoulders, but this is kind of the science brain of it thinking like, yeah, well, in 100,000 years, I don't know, it might not have mattered. Like, humans might be just gone, so whatever. Right. <laughs> it's kind of, right. you know, it's like, ultimately, did we even matter? Or, you know, did we even need to be here? I don't know. It's it's too early to say. Yeah. So, I don't, part of it is that, too. I, she doesn't phrase it, of course, how I just did. That was, that was my own um, spin, <laughs> horrible spin. <laughs> but it, there are moments like that, though, in the, in the facts and in the details. So... Yeah, not necessarily great. Don't read it to cheer up. So, final category for this or that. This is a new one, too. I don't know if... Did this make sense, by the way? I just made this up, so hopefully it made sense. Okay. Yeah. Essentially, the this or that... The this is a book you'd read each night before bed. So I'm thinking short bursts, basically, doing 30-minute chunks. And then the or is the book you'd read on a Saturday, free day off, in like four to five-hour binge. So, yeah, just think of it that way. A book for 30-minute chunks and then a book for a big sit-down-on-the-couch, you know, big binge. For bed each night, I'm going field notes because you don't want to read too much of it at once, probably. A, you know, field notes from a catastrophe, the climate change book. And then two, or B, sorry, is that each chapter is just so digestible. They're almost like little magazine articles, and I think part of the book was constructed that way anyway. And so it is very much a, hey, not even nightly for a week, like maybe you pick the book up every couple weeks and read a chapter. I think it very much can function that way. And Mm -hmm. so very rewardable that way, or uh, rewarding rather. The four to five hour binge book, I'm picking they both die at the end because I think you could finish it in four to five hours. Oh, (laughs) yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, the page count is longer, but I really just think it's a story that if you get hooked into the friendships and you're just intrigued by the world or the plot or something, just keep going. I mean, it's not the story I reacted to most strongly. We'll get to our rankings in a bit, but I just think you could finish it that in that amount of time. And it has the depth 
to deserve that much thinking is what I would say. Like, yeah. you don't want to let it drag on for a month and a half because I don't think it's going to reward people who think so, so hard about it, right? It's like, just get in and enjoy the story and there will be some, there's some interesting ideas to it, but then you can kind of just move on. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, my one for bed each night is um, Homegoing because a lot like hmm. Field Notes, it's... Um, it's almost like uh, a short story collection rather than like a full on just novel, just because each chapter is a new descendant. Um, and, and so it's chunkable in that way. And each chapter too has its particular um, themes and ideas that are being explored, whether it's um, the Jim Crow laws, right? Or if it is um, the um, uh, Asante Wars. In, yeah, Ashanti, yeah. I think, is another. Yeah, yeah some tribal wars that took right, place tribal in Western wars Africa. And the ideas of, um, um, like, there's, I don't want to get too much into it, but each each story has a particular theme or idea that's being explored that you can, once you read that one chapter, you can stop and just kind of like think about that one theme and think about that character and how it relates to the previous chapter. You don't have to like binge read that. It might even be a bit overwhelming to try to binge read that, um, that yeah. novel. I, know. yeah, I, I read most of these in a, I wouldn't say binge like I described it, you know, way, yeah. but I definitely do them in tri bigger chunks, yeah. and I agree. It, it might be better to just kind of, it's almost like a short story collection in that way. Yeah. I mean, it it's not because it does such a, it tries so hard and does, like, the purposeful generational stuff, yeah. but it really does feel it's pretty separate, too, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then for binge reading, I said something wicked this way comes just because... Man, mm. you you definitely get absorbed in that story, and and because the mood is just so creepy, you're like, I got to find out what happens next to these kids. Like, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it pulls you through so well, and and it's something that um, I read very quickly actually as well. I think I did too, maybe two to three sittings for yeah. that one, but I also. It's interesting. I have a different point of view on it. Uh, granted, all that you said was true. I, when I encounter something so literary, I, I purposefully step away. So mm -hmm. I'm just like, okay, I need to process or, you know, I read more slowly on the p certain pages. And so I, I very much distance myself from a book like that in a good way because I just want to give myself the time and space to to just think through some things or maybe try and contemplate a line or appreciate something. So I, I would say I would not want to try and binge that one in one sitting, but I completely get what you mean. Yeah. <clears throat> it's engaging and, you know, propulsive. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's move to best in quotes, shall we? We've been yeah. vague for long enough. We do want to give some specifics from the stories. Obviously, we've been summarizing a lot and describing. Let's move to some quotes. We've picked some categories here, and we're going to give awards out for each book that we think best fits the quotes category. Though, to spoil one of mine, I did not pick a quote for it, which I'll explain. <laughs> More of a description. Let's start with best imagery. Um, maybe let's go back and forth. So you go first for imagery, Amanda. What do you have for the best moment of imagery from the six books here? Uh, so I wanted to choose uh, quotes that we did not uh, cover necessarily in our episodes. So oh, I tried okay. to think of like 
I thought of the way, so the way that I, I did this is I thought, okay, best imagery, which book had generally the best imagery. And then gotcha. I would look at, okay, it wouldn't even necessarily be the best imagery from the book, but at least um, an example of imagery from the book that we had not covered. Definitely. Um, so that, you know, they can get a taste, but if they want to know more, they can, you know, they won't be like, oh, I heard this explanation before. Anyway, mm-hmm. so um, best imagery for me was from Burnt Shadows, just because um, Camilla Shamsey, when she writes, everything is just like crystal clear. You can imagine everything. Um, so the one that I chose is from um, my copy. It's on page 97, and I'll just quickly read that for you guys. Um <clears throat> Each day, sitting in this tree, eyes drifting over Musuri's trees and flowers, some as familiar as the texture of tatami beneath her feet, she strung together different memories of Nagasaki as though they were rosary beads. The faint sound of her father preparing paint on his inkstone, the deepening purple of a sky studded by clusters and constellations of light in an evening filled with the familiar tones of her neighbors' voices, the school children rising to their feet as she entered the classroom, the walks along the Oura with Conrad, dreaming of all that would be possible after the war. And and it goes on. But that's just like mm-hmm. an example of how Shamsi, um, as she writes, um, she can really describe in detail uh, the setting very well. And, it's, and she uses all the senses um, in her writing and not just the one. No, definitely. And it's, I said this a lot in the episodes, which hopefully listener you've not yet heard because you're checking them, you know, you're getting recommendations here, but it's kind of delicate. And then when she needs and wants to be, it can be very, I don't know, propulsive, aggressive. I need to get an adjective list in front of me, but (laughs) get my thesaurus (laughs) out. But no, it's, yeah, she can push and pull, right? To put it in the simplest terms. And so I, I admired that too. That's a good, good quote to have chosen. I think... You've done a literary injustice, Amanda. Now, granted, I know you did love that book, and I liked it. I, I think you loved it, and I liked it. The best imagery is from something wicked this way comes. I mean, it's I, to me, there's just no question about it. I think there's a lot to admire in Burn Shadows, for sure. But I pulled from something wicked this way comes. You could literally open any page of this book and find something striking for its you know images and settings and That's such. True. I pulled something from 49 about the carnival, so let's get into the carnival. A carnival should be all growls, roars like timberlands stacked, bundled, rolled, and crashed, great explosions of lion dust, men ablaze with working anger, pop bottles jangling, horse buckles shivering, engines and elephants in full stampede through rains of sweat while zebras neighed and trembled like cage trapped in the cage. Like cage trapped in cage. Oh, okay. I mean, there's something <laughs> odd on every page of this book. Um, but but this was, that might be a typo. I don't actually know. I've got to unpack that. But this was like old movies. The silent theater mm-hmm. haunted with black and white ghosts, silvery mouths opening to let moonlight smoke out, gestures made in silence so hushed you could hear the wind fizz, the hair on your cheeks. More shadows rustled from the train, passing the animal cages where darkness prowled with unlit eyes, and the colope must have stood mute, save for the faintest idiot tune the breeze piped wandering up the flues then the ringmasters there just it's just full tilt 
it's just going all the way. I, I don't know what that cage trapped in cage might be thing. I'm not sure if that's an strange image for sure. But if we ignore that, it's, you know, it's full on stream of consciousness, almost reaching for stream of consciousness, just descriptions bleeding into descriptions, contradictions and contradictions, you know, harsh juxtapositions of things. It's like, uh, yeah. And it and when Bradbury decides to take these detours, he just fully decides <laughs> yep yeah he's uh i was torn between something wicked and burnt shadows because they're both stylistically they just allow themselves to be yeah uh, literary and to really explore unique metaphors and stuff and and so it was a difficult choice but yeah. burnt shadows i think it was um there's just so many different examples of imagery that sure. span all cultures and stuff too so i think that's why ultimately i chose burnt shadows but yeah something wicked this way come yeah is it's every page has something yeah pretty relentless and yeah. no both admirable picks for sure i just felt like i had to because we're very i don't know stunned almost on the something wicked episodes so yeah. it could also be a recency bias on my part that's fair <laughs> next quote or um sorry next quote next quote category award we'll give away is for best character detail or it could just be best characterization i'll go first since i made you last time this goes yeah. to true grit and i'd be shocked if you didn't pick this also <laughs> i did pick true grit as well <laughs> yeah maddie is the best realized character in this whole batch pretty much hands Seriously. down and Rooster's so, also well done <laughs> yeah there's and even the the Texan too was not the yeah. boof the beef was also yeah. really intriguing because of his contrast and stuff too uh this one was interesting though because I didn't want to spoil anything so I'd also say be careful of your quote too or at least you know be vague about it or something yeah <laughs> I just noticed the anyway what you put down this is when she's trying to convince somebody to help her and she's disappointed in him and um basically she's trying to convince this person she should go out on the search for revenge out into the wild and he says the first night the first night out you'll be taking on and crying for your mama and then this is what she says i said i've left off crying and giggling as well now make up your mind i don't care anything for all this talk you told me what your price for the job was and i've come up with it here's the money i aim to get tom cheney and if you not if, if you are not game i'll find somebody else who is game all i've heard out of you so far is talk i know you can drink whiskey and i've seen you kill a gray rat all the rest has been talk they told me you had grit and that is why i came to you i'm not paying for talk i can get all the talk i need more of that at the monarch boarding house he says i ought to slap your face she says how do you propose to do it from that hog wallow you you are sunk in i would be ashamed <laughs> of myself living in this filth if i smelled as bad as you i would not live in a city i would go live on the top of magazine mountain where i would offend no one but rabbits and salamanders and then i'll just pause there it's you know she never backs down She's got incredible, you know, Western insults, a little salamander burn. That's unique, right? You don't see, hear mm-hmm. that often these days. But yeah, it's, she just is so determined and can be naive too, in, in a sense, which comes up in a couple of spots maybe. But her character is just so perfectly drawn. I don't know. I have only compliments for it. I also thought about using that scene as well for this. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, because it was... The interaction is just so great, and it's it's definitely her sass. Um, yeah, she's just so wonderfully realized. I just I love her character so much. She's so funny without 
like meaning to be. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I, uh, I actually wanted to pull another quote, but I thought it was maybe more, I don't know, spoilery. I thought that was a good one because it was kind of neutral. But there, yeah. th- there's so many. Anyway, there's please so, share. So what, what's your true grit moment to choose? Um, <laughs> I chose one that we kind of talked about, but um, actually in like a negative light in in some ways. But this one, I yeah. thought still shows uh, Maddie's personality. Um, I said, if you refuse to go, I will have to shoot you. He went on with his work and said, oh, then you had better cock your piece. I'd forgotten about that. I pulled the hammer back with both thumbs all the way back till it locks. I know how to do it, said I. When it was ready, I said, you will not go with me? I think not, said he. It's just the other way around. You're going with me. I pointed the revolver at his belly and shot him down. The explosion kicked me backwards and caused me to lose my footing and the pistol jumped from my hand um anyway so it shows i think uh with That's this great. one <laughs> yeah the that her innocence in a lot of ways and her inexperience but also her determination her grit uh which is a very important idea that repeats throughout so mm-hmm. and and also the cockiness of the the person that she's shooting so yeah I thought that was pretty fitting it's just it's such a nice moment too. I will say that it's it's a spoiler in a bit of a you know sense, but also it just feels so fitting to have yeah. that happen the way it did with her speaking yeah. so bluntly and then just being <laughs> yeah. like, "Well, I'm I'm doing it." <laughs> you know, it kind of yeah, I don't know. It felt like a really perfectly realizable narrative moment too. Yeah. It, it weirdly surprised me, and then of course you know you laugh as it happens because you're like, "This isn't this is the least surprising thing. <laughs> this is yeah. the, this is the thing that should have and always was going to happen." You yeah. know. Playing and out and like his like teaching her how to shoot him at the time, like yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> hey, she's she's a quick learner, you know. Yeah, Sticks with she it. Is. <laughs> Two more categories for best in quotes here. Let's do a new one. This is most awkward moment. I have no clue why I added this. I do not remember my motivations for doing so, but it's here, so <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> um, yours, I see, was also from Field Notes from a Catastrophe. How could it yeah. not be? A moment right. uh, or book of difficult moments, rather, filled with contradictions and puzzlements and human error and confusion or something i don't know just rambling now i'll do or no let's do yours first sorry we're back and forth what about yours from field notes um mine is from um it it, the most awkward moments are are all of course to deal with the the political response to yes um everything and so she is meeting with um dobryansky um, who is the mouthpiece, uh, essentially for one of the administrations, uh, one of the U.S. administrations. And uh, so it starts on page 151. It says, um, our approach has been predicated on we act, we learn, we act again, she said. In response to a question about how urgent the problem of stabilizing emissions was, she replied, We act, we learn, we act again. And in response to a question about what would constitute a dangerous level of CO2 in the atmosphere, she said, Forgive me, I'm going to repeat myself. We act, we learn, we act again. Dobryansky told me twice that the administration's approach to global warming encompassed both near-term actions and long-term actions, and three times that it saw economic growth as the solution, not the problem. I'd been instructed that Dobryansky could spare no more than 20 minutes, according to my digital recorder. After 15 minutes and 35 seconds, one of her assistants announced that it was time to wrap things up. I asked Dobryansky if there was anything more she wanted to say. 
I'd say this to you, she replied. We see this as a serious issue. We have vigorously and robustly put forth a climate change policy to address these issues, and we will continue to work with other countries to address the issue of climate change. Basically and fundamentally, we have a common goal and objective, but we are pursuing different approaches. Yeah. Which is to not actually do anything. <laughs> Wait and see, Amanda. Wait and see. Well, we just I mean, don't know. Act, learn and act again. <laughs> love it. I love to act. I just love to. I love to. You know, observe my own behavior in such a sensible way. How could you argue against it, Amanda? It's very rational. Yep. <laughs> Every day I I do something and then I and then time passes and then I do something again late. I don't know what it's going to be, but I do something. <laughs> A thing happens, you know, it occurs. I'm going to change up my quote because you picked the best one from that, uh, the Bush administration's response. You, yeah, <laughs> there's another, there's a couple more awkward moments of confrontation in there, but I, that's a great one. And I was trying to think when you're reading about what could I pull for the scientist side? Because there's some uncomfortable stuff that the scientists say or but, have yeah. to say. So I just found one um, uh, from 113. It's a scientist talking about drought, and he says, but let's let's say it's not that severe drought. What adaptation are we talking about then? Do we have to adapt in 2020? Do we adapt in 2040, at adaptation in 2060? Because the way the models project this is global warming gets going. Once you've adapted to one decade, you're going to have to change everything the next decade. We may say that we're more technologically able than earlier societies, but one thing about climate change is it's potentially geopolitically destabilizing. And we're not only more technologically able, we're more technologically destructive as well. I think it's impossible to predict what will happen, I guess, though I won't be around to see it. I wouldn't be shocked to find out that by 2100, most things were destroyed. He paused. That's sort of an extreme view. <laughs> oh, yeah. thanks for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's an awkward quote, obviously, because of its intensity and its grimness, which is very fair to say. I just think of all the things in the book that are awkward to have to confront, it's the, we talk about this a bit, but it's the basic psychology of, yeah, you don't see it all right now, and you just got to somehow take the long view take long-term you know perspectives on things not get caught up in short-term drawbacks and and difficulties and it just doesn't seem like that's happening so instead you end up with a quote like that you know trying to outline the potential troubles as best as it can and yeah, yeah it's very know, existentially awkward <laughs> yep that's a that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was also a quote I was thinking to but couldn't find in time where one of the scientists, I think it's the tree frog one, it could be someone else though, basically says, "You know, I this is really fascinating to live in this time because nothing this bad has ever happened this fast, so it's like really f interesting to study." <laughs> and I was like, I mean, that's a very that's why the scientists can get a bad rap, you know. They're just curious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're just curious people, some of them. They're just one of them's like, "Well, you know, it's not great, but I, there's no other period where I could have ever studied this, so I guess I get to study this, and that's cool. <laughs> yeah, silver linings, um, you know. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. An interesting time of collapse. Um, the final quote category we will give, which we've stuck with, though, I don't know. I like the category, but maybe I don't. We're sticking with it for now. And it is the most internet meme or, like, memeable moment or... The moment that reminded us most of an already existing internet meme, which is what I did. Have you ever seen the internet meme of the guy who's pointing at his head and the text is always something like a, a genius realization he had? 
Yes. Are you familiar with that one? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So no spoilers here, and I have to be very intentional and careful, but there is a moment at the end of They Both Die at the End, perhaps related to the title, that definitely felt like the author doing that. It's uh, one of the more, let's say, like subtle foreshadowings that kind of pays off and so i didn't pull a quote for it because i don't want to spoil it but i'll just say that that novel has a clear example of foreshadowing that feels very much like a clever author kind of pointing at their own head being like haha did you see <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like i didn't forget or something like that and so yeah that's um that's all i'll say about it but it's they both die at the end had a very powerful foreshadowing meme uh that also makes me think of how the author several times in the book um, will point out his own symbolism yeah, very clearly. Yeah. <laughs> like, Not the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that particular meme would fit with that as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I chose um, uh, the scene from They Both Die at the End. Um, hmm. the American Pie performance. Um, and what the reason oh, I chose it is um, I was just thinking of like, you know, how people feel empowered or whatever. And you've got like this cheesy, like almost concert-esque feeling where, where everybody's got mm. their lighters out and they're like, you know, whatever. Um, so, but it's, it's all about self-empowerment. Um, so that's on page 307. American Pie begins to play and the crowd cheers like it's our own song, like they know who we are. Rufus squeezes my hand and let's go. And then they sing some of the lyrics and, and it says, the, the energy in the room changes not just my confidence, dis- despite how off-key I am. No, our words are actually connecting with the Deckers and the audience, sinking deep past their skin and into their souls, which are fading like a firefly mm. turning off, but still very present. Some Deckers sing along, and I'm sure if they were allowed to have lighters in here, they'd whip them out. Some are crying. Others are smiling with closed eyes, hopefully lost in good memories. And it made me think of almost like, um, like, um, at, like, some of those revival, the church revivals or whatever, where people are almost, like, hysterical, and everybody's arms are in the air, and they're, like, swaying to, like, whatever the preacher is saying and stuff. Yeah. And I just found it funny because it's all to the song... Um, the um, American right? It's called American Pie. What is it called? Uh, yeah, if it's yeah. not called that, then that's what everyone will know it by. <laughs> yeah. There's no way. It, I mean, I'm sure there's some listener out there who has some technical knowledge of the artist or the you know whatever the history of it. But yeah, it's it's a 10 minute long song that it goes <laughs> my my something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, this. everyone knows the melody and no one knows the words because it's yeah. too long and boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know there's some whiskey and rye, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but yeah, that that's what I was kind of just imagining for for a meme, I guess. Yeah, it's a little heavy-handed. This will yeah. be the day that I die, huh? I mean, that's yep. whatever. <laughs> it is a good meme choice, though, a really good one, and yeah. feels fitting that we both chose the internet meme for the young adult book. I think of we're <laughs> speaking to our audience quite clearly with those picks. Yeah, we're in the know. Yeah. Okay, let's wrap up the Book Highlights episode with our final segment, probably the most important one, Amanda, where we weigh our literary tastes against the reading public. We're going to end with our rankings. So we'll take these six books, we'll rank them in order. We'll probably go, well, let's go from best to, or like most favorite to least. Let's, we'll start with the going hot with the first one. Um, yeah. We usually do. 
We will also, while doing this, compare our rankings against Goodreads, which is a reading kind of review website, and it's, as far as we know, unless someone tells us otherwise, the best, biggest collection of data on just book readers, what they like, what they respond to, what they don't like, etc. So, yeah, until we until we find another source for that, like, it's we're going to keep using Goodreads. It's yeah. It has... Yeah, millions and millions and millions of reviews and users and stuff. So it's a pretty decent way to sample the reading public's opinions. Let's get to the rankings. Uh, Goodreads, number one. I'll use the expression with a bullet here because it's a pretty strong lead, the first book that they yeah. that they ranked and like is. And that is Homegoing by Yaa Jesse. Uh, number one, Homegoing again. That's a novel, the transatlantic slave trade novel, um, with a 4.47, which by Goodreads standards is, is very strong. That's really high up there. Yeah. And we've had maybe two to three other books total out of the now 24 that would rate so highly. Your thoughts on that being the number one? I find it really surprising just because it's it's a denser read in a lot of ways. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I am very surprised by that. <laughs> I'm I am not because I've described it as a 101 level exploration of this topic so many times that when I think back to the things that rate well, it feels like that would be something that rates well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like is like the writings of Frederick Douglass going to get a 4.47 on Goodreads? You know, it's just right. like <laughs> so. I don't. I, that's a weird comparison for me to make, but I'm just saying that would something more dense, less accessible. And maybe more uh, intense and tangled, you know, have to. I, but it is those things too, though. I don't know. It's I just didn't respond to the style of all these chapters. But yeah, yeah it, it's it's strong. I could, you know, it's given its scope to the fact that it does try and get to present day a little bit. I think maybe that has a lot to to credit it. Maybe that's why people responded so much because it, it tries to and I think does draw some connections and, and such. So. Mm-hmm. Maybe just in this moment, this time in history and everything. Yeah, that could just be what people needed to think about and a good way to make it connect to present day. So my number one, I would also say with a bullet now for pun purposes, is True Grit. True Grit was amazing. (laughs) I loved every second of reading this book. Uh, I can't praise it enough and already have on this episode, but it... It hits literary ambition. It hits of such a perfectly realized voice. It's funny, which can be rare in the books we pick. And it's brief. It, it's a, an accomplished little work, which I think I admire above all other things. It's a crystal clear vision, and it doesn't overstay its welcome. So yeah. seriously admire True Grit. That's my number one. Yours, Amanda, for this cycle? Is uh, Burnt Shadows by Camilla Shamsi, hmm. um, which... Funny enough, like some of the the ideas, the the major premise is pretty similar to Homegoing in in as far as like yeah. the the family traumas and stuff, but but Burnt Shadows is just so beautifully written. Just oh my goodness, it I I feel like one day somebody's gonna you know have Camilla Shamsi be considered a, a classic writer. Like just she's just a, a, amazing with her language there. Um, and I think that Burnt Shadows realizes a lot of the the themes that she uh, put forth and in a way that is a lot more cohesive than Homegoing. Um, and um, and it's still relevant to it's like it, just like with Homegoing, it, it's up to the present day in a lot of ways. Uh, Burnt right. Shadows also is uh, 
mostly present day and things that can still reverberate with with us as as a community Uh, yeah if not present day at least like the 80s you know (laughs) yeah geopolitically significant or connected enough so yeah definitely Goodreads, number two ranking with a 4.12 rating. So, again, I'd say it's considerably below. These rankings tend to get – it's tight. There's a reason why it goes to the decimal, you know. So, anyway. Yeah, um, exactly. So, it's pretty significantly below. Is True Grit by Charles Portis, which I already acclaimed. Um, so, yeah, I don't have anything more to say about that. I guess I'm a little surprised, but it is kind of accessible and funny in its way. I think people probably admired that. My number two is Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury. Amanda, your number two? Also, something wicked this way comes. Yeah, let's do this because <laughs> this book is extraordinary and it really is quite intense. <laughs> it's, yep. um, what could we say about it that we haven't already, right? But it is, it's just so self-indulgent and that I think could put people off. We did in one of the episodes do some, out, we do always do outside criticism, but I pulled something from Stephen King, kind of a, you know, he's like a master of American horror at this point, right? Yeah. And so he wrote an essay about the book and responded to it. And he at some point, I think, said his his version of flowery language, his term was purple, said the yeah. writing can be a little <laughs> too purple at times. I, to me, that's almost kind of the point. I think an, an essay in college would have to explore the marriage of a certain style with a certain topic or, you know, small town American life or, or something. But I, I just think that was kind of intentional or at least when he wanted to write about evil to do it in this way just seems fitting. So, yeah, I had a hard time with this in, in True Grit trying to pair them or decide to order. But mm-hmm. I think True Grit is just... I was going to say more masterful. It, it doesn't have to try as hard, and it almost accomplishes as much or more. So I think that's why it was my number one and Wicked was too. But, yeah, it does, they're they're both excellent. Yeah, something Wicked for me um, stylistically is pretty akin to Burnt Shadows as far as, like, the flowery mm-hmm. language and, and the, the exploration of authorial style being at the forefront there. Um, yeah. But I, I also struggled actually with um, choosing between something wicked this way comes and true grit. Um, but ultimately, sure, is, that, is that your three? Yeah, three. True yeah. grit's my three. Yeah. Yeah, you <laughs> so, can say that now. We don't. We don't do a. It's not like we're revealing. My, you know, it's yeah. okay. Yeah, it makes <laughs> but sense. I, I was like, oh, I don't know. Like they were. Maybe it would have been more of a tie almost. But um, something wicked just kind of edged out true grit just a tiny bit, just um, because I think mm-hmm. true grits entertaining and funny and there's so many things that I love about it and the characterization is just the best but something wicked also has great characterization um with all the characters in there and um yeah well I, I would say like with all the major characters in there and um and but also I just for me I guess I just love the I love authorial style style that's like really explored and they're just so comfortable with like playing with imagery and playing with metaphors that I just ultimately that's what attracts me to a book I suppose so that's why something Definitely. wicked for me was number two it it is playful that it almost does feel playful I'm sure he wouldn't have phrased it that way Bradbury because I'm sure it's a you know I'm he 
put went through the process of writing it and it's you know it's intensive and serious but it almost feel like some feels like somebody just having a laugh and being like check this shit out yeah <laughs> look what i'm a about cage to do in a cage <laughs> yeah yeah cage in a cage yeah it's <laughs> uh, yeah it's pretty wild it's, yeah, i really admired it yeah. and and the bones the simple bones of it i think do work maybe it's a little outdated because traveling carnivals aren't a thing anymore really right, or yeah. they're a thing but they're not a huge part of cultural life but i think it's kind of a symbolic move it does fit in some ways too mm-hmm. i won't spoil did i say my number two i did okay yeah, yeah. T- twos are done good reads back to good reads their number three is field notes from a catastrophe which does sneak in with a 4.02 so it's over a 4.0 uh, a joking theory on the show with us has been that we are always going to love the threes more than the fours it seems i think our <laughs> opinions in the reading public don't line up perfectly all the time so it's like we usually love the threes and just kind of feel more neutral about the fours but yeah <laughs> field notes at a three do you think that's just a the reading public wants to promote climate change and like make people care about this issue kind of a vibe i i don't know it was well done and everything it's like we said a very accessible but thorough document so there's that yeah i feel like I, i'm i guess i'm always surprised if there's a nonfiction work that is ranked that highly on on goodreads because i think of of most people actually preferring fiction to nonfiction, but oh, that's that's our bias though heavily. Yeah, I think I, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of English people, majors. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people would go to it thinking, "Can you make this make sense to me?" Yeah. Or you know, and also be somewhat interesting, not too dry. And it does that with a plum. So yeah. I could see why somebody would walk away from it impressed and yeah. thinking, "Oh, this is important." You know, we got to read this. My number three is Burnt Shadows. And your number three, you said, is True Grit. So, yeah. sorry to speak on Our your number behalf. ones are like the... like. <laughs> my number one yeah, is we, your number three and your number Yeah, three. we flipped them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I liked Burnt Shadows a lot. I think I just... The simplest way to put it would be against your love, my like seems mute, but it's muted, you know, but it's not. I did really enjoy it. And we did the character stuff. I think I thought some of the ending plot moments were a bit more contrived than you did. And yeah, we get into such good discussion about it, but on the whole, it's anyone who likes fiction in any even passing way. It's, it's an easy wreck because it's challenging, interesting. It's definitely topically relevant. She's capable. It's, I think it, I described it as sort of, it's so well-made you forget it's well-made, which is Mm -hmm. a compliment in my mind where it's kind of like, Oh, you, I just kind of forgot I was reading this excellent book and then it it shocked me again or something. And so, yeah, yeah, I really admired burn shadows. I, I just don't, the the true great humor is the thing that really elevates it for me because I don't it's not as ambitious right and it's it doesn't do quite as much with language perhaps but gosh I don't know it was just so refreshing to find something funny like true grit I guess that's why I liked it so much but yeah burnt shadows is great read read it for sure yeah yeah any true other grit thoughts was, on true grit yeah yeah it's, true grit's um, another great read I think uh, it's very like concise and to the point um but that doesn't take away from the style of um portis or anything like that Uh, it's yeah it's a very like neat and contained novel that i i absolutely loved but with both burnt shadows and something wicked there's just so much to explore stylistically and i think that's that's what elevates those books for me over true grit because true grit was just like it was so well put together and it was, it was like he's, his voice is so well developed. 
His style is so clear. Everything is just so clear in that novel, which I loved. But at the same time, I, I think I like the messiness sometimes of of authors that kind of like play around with stuff. <laughs> yeah, it is economical or something. True Grid. Yeah. It's efficient in a way. Um, yeah, definitely. Back to the rankings. Goodreads coming in at number four. They both die at the end, which did not make the four cutoff. So it's a 3.97. This one, I think, breaks the rule because I did not love that book. <laughs> so I thought it was <laughs> yeah. fine, you know, but it's like that's not a three that I need to fight for or something. I'll do yeah. my fighting in a couple minutes here. Um, <laughs> my, my number four is Field Notes from a Catastrophe. So a little below theirs, I guess. And your number four, Amanda? Homegoing was my number four. Yeah, Homegoing by Yeah, Jesse. Um I thought that the young adult would sneak up. I, I just, I guess, I don't know. I'm not sure how to say these things in a non-disparaging way, so I'll tread carefully. I just assume Goodreads, it's, you know, they don't want to be pushed quite as much stylistically. They, It seems like the readers there prefer things that are more accessible, direct, maybe even, I would I would say they both at the end spells out too much. And granted, it could be just YA concessions, and that's fine. Different audience, different expectations. But I, I thought that would click them maybe. Uh, perhaps it was they picked a, the readers there picked up on some of the things to, um, that we did that thought you know just it was okay. Any thoughts on that one at four? Not making the four cutoff. Yeah, I was also surprised by that. Just um, yeah. based on some of our other highlights episodes, the I, I'm thinking especially of like uh, the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that Trevor one, Noah's book. <laughs> and yeah, right. Those were ranked really high, even though we had some some great discussion about some of the the the, the style and, and choices that we weren't necessarily fans of. Um, but those mm-hmm. are popular reads, and I I guess I thought that they both die at the end is it was more akin to those books, and and people who like to read those books would probably like to read this book. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. I find it a little surprising that it didn't rank in the fours. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to go back and revisit those so carefully to make that claim. But yes, I roughly speaking, stylistically speaking, I would have put them in the same group too, which I know that Evelyn Hugo is not young adult, not intended to be, same with the Trevor Noah book. But I don't, I don't know if those lines, those lines blur a little bit, I think, with those because of the way they're written, (laughs) the accessibility of them and kind of the explicitness of it all. So I don't know. To me, that's, there's a, there is a similarity there, even if it's not outright. I just put Field Notes at four because the next two I don't like as much. So they had to be at the (laughs) the end for me. And I just didn't know what to do with it. It's, it's, it was such a weird reading experience because I, having immersed myself in that kind of topic, I just shrugged at a lot of it, but also recognized that it was well done. I, I don't know. Reading nonfiction about something you already know a good amount about is is strange because part of the fun is the the revelations and the opening up of new pathways in the brain or something, new connections. And I, I didn't get much of that from it. It was a lot yeah. of perspectives I've already thought a good amount about and, you know, nodded along. So, but it's well written. It's so competently made and, and it's got that New Yorker sheen. Um, yeah. Unsurprising that that author also writes for the New Yorker a lot, Elizabeth Colbert or Colbert. And so, yeah, field notes from catastrophe at four. It's, it's really good. It's yeah. does what it needs to do. Your number yeah. four, Amanda. Um, homegoing and the reason I chose homegoing above the other two is um, I think that it's a very ambitious novel 
um, mm-hmm. that gave me a new um, new information as far as as exploring the the is it called the Gold Coast the mm-hmm. Ghana yeah, yeah uh, west kind of the not the Horn that's the southern part the western right. coast though yeah yeah um, so information like a perspective there and, and historical information that I didn't really like study or anything like that um, and and then I think that there were that she she had a very ambitious novel and there were glimpses of like real genius there where it could have mm. like it could have gone it could have married really well the chapters with each other um there are some aspects that i didn't much you know that that weren't like really working for me that we talk about in in the uh the podcast but um overall i think that it was a pretty good novel it was something i i found it entertaining i found it enlightening in some ways and yeah and um and it's thought provoking so all the good things that i i want in a novel essentially so yeah i think that's well said we'll get to my thoughts on it in a second but i don't think i'd add much to that the the thing you said hints of you know potential promising that is true and it was it was explicitly chosen because the author yeah jesse was under 30 when she published it so right that does add a bit of a you know and then i think we read a couple other authors first books too and they were pretty extraordinary so i don't know yeah. <laughs> i also shrug <laughs> i have a bad habit of comparing in life you really just shouldn't compare things as much as, as often yeah. as i do it's really unhealthy <laughs> just don't do that but yes no it's true i think it does have glimpses to be sure the number five pick on goodreads is burnt shadows this one did not surprise me at all the only thing less surprising than this is number six let's just do them together yeah <laughs> number five is burnt shadows with a 3.93 so still in the three nines and then something wicked this way comes is last for goodreads and that's a 3.92 that's basically a tie right right yeah they're pretty close (laughs) yeah that's close enough the second decimal i mean come on so yeah this is where we just throw shade at goodreads right (laughs) 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 any any Uh, to be fair though 3.9 is like really high as well i thought that those two books on goodreads would have been significantly lower totally just for their literariness (laughs) yeah i think so far is it still chong ray lee that has the lowest ever i should go back (laughs) yeah maybe and 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 we loved that novel yeah, I had a lot to recommend. It was pretty intense, too, and, and intriguing. Yeah. I just, yeah, this is what happens. This is where literary fiction goes in Goodreads, to be sure. And if you're a person, a listener, a reader, who thinks that that entire designation of literary fiction shouldn't even exist, I kind of shrug in agreement, honestly. But I also think that you can measure a book's ambitions through the way it's written. <laughs> I yeah. think that's also pretty fair to say, too. So I just think that Burnt Shadows and Something Wicked are on a sentence syntactic level more ambitious and interesting than the, you know, than Homegoing, which is their mm-hmm. 4.47. It's, you know what it is too that gets to me a little, not gets to me at all. It's not like I'm upset, but it's that when I look at it, I just shrug still is that it's how much higher that is. And I can assure you that Homegoing has more reviews than either. So it's like, not only is it so much higher, but it also has way more reviews. To me, right. it's got a, should I do my really annoying and bad literary high school thing of like referencing 1984, claiming groupthink? <laughs> it's, it's literary groupthink. <laughs> 
it's these, these peasants are out here. They don't they don't know what they're doing. They're so, they just all want to agree. Yeah, no, I yeah, I don't know. I'm happy that people really loved home going. So, but ah, uh, yeah, I think the ambitions of Bird Shadows and something wicked to see them at the bottom like that. I can only shrug now. It's unsurprising to me, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised that not as many people would read something wicked versus home going just because something wicked is. Ray Bradbury and people associate that with Fahrenheit 451 which they associate with English class in high school or middle school which they associate with study and they don't want to get into it and Burnt Shadows is um, was written uh, Camilla Shamsi is a um, Pakistan Pakistani um, British writer. British? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she lives in England now, but uh, she grew up in, um, right, Pakistan? And, uh, I, but I she think went, so. But she went to college here in the States and then she's, she right. um, emigrated to um, England. So anyway, but so she's not even an American author, which also probably makes her less accessible, I suppose. Um, Mm-hmm. I think that Goodreads is a lot of American readers, right? I think so. I've yeah. never once dug into that data, but yeah, I've never once looked at demographics or geo, geo, geolocal, geog, I don't know, <laughs> the ge- geography <laughs> of like the user base and all that stuff. So yeah. yeah, I've never dug into that at all. It's just, there's no other data pa- database so vast. So yeah. it's the default for now for us. Yeah. And my number five, I'll, we can just do both at the end here, too. So unsurprising yeah. there on Goodreads, but, you know, take their word against ours. Take both, combine them, and that's all good. Number five for me is a tie, which is why I'm doubling up. I thought five, I put home going. I did admire the ambition a little more, and I think it had parts that really struck me. So good, going back to what you said, like, I think it does show flashes for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't think it, it deeply engaged me or moved me because I just wanted a little more on the page for that to occur i I don't know it it did and i didn't i don't feel like we nitpicked it much in the episodes but also maybe i come across as a bit of a shoulder shrug but yeah i did enjoy it and uh no regrets ever on these and i put they both die at the end at the end here it's a bit of a tie to me they both function in a similar way those two novels where it's just i wasn't deeply moved uh had little flashes that i did enjoy no no regrets of course i would say for they both die at the end like i said it's a really fast read it it does have the ya reads it a clip for you know an an adult reader so yeah I, i think at least that sense you know read it quickly enjoy some of the ride i think if I have to have a symbol explained to me one more time by an author that I'll, you know, just go insane. <laughs> um, or at least I, I feel like one could leverage against Bradbury with something wicked. Not that he explains the symbols, but when you bombard somebody with a couple so often that it, it becomes a bit of an explanation, right? I just mm-hmm. think they both die. There, there's characters that just explain stuff to you, and it's that yeah. always frustrates me. Yeah. So, yeah, personal preference. But, yeah, they're they're both interesting. I just... They don't fit my literary taste quite as much. Um, your final rankings, Amanda? Um, goes from field notes, um, and then my uh, least favorite in this grouping is they both die at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, field notes is um, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I I don't read a whole lot of nonfiction, but this is a very approachable right. scientific endeavor <laughs> where I didn't feel like an idiot as I was reading all this, these statistics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, what I also liked about it is that there were um, 
real life examples of solutions that are actually being implemented around the world, like the floating houses and stuff like that. And, and, um, and I, I found that fascinating. And also I was, it's, it was, um, heartening to see other communities working actively working towards solutions and, and implementing solutions. Right. Um, so I found that really, um, enlightening in, in that way. Um, the, the premise of the story, of course, I, I already had done some, some reading on that before. Um, but it was, it was still good to see specific studies that tie, tie all these ideas together. Um, so it was, it was good. It was, um, informative and it was also, um, nice to see the real world, um, applications of certain things so i liked that aspect um but the other novels were just i think i I just prefer novels Uh, and then um, and and the final choice for me is they both not 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 that i like disliked the book i found it entertaining and it was um i clipped along in that that book it was it was super fast to read and and everything Mm -hmm. but um but it wasn't as it didn't push me in any way and it didn't it was it was like watching you know a movie or something where you don't really have to engage with it a whole lot um and so that's why i i ranked it last for me as i i found it i didn't have to use my brain cells as much so mm-hmm. um yeah but it was still entertaining and 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 it was a nice story and everything it's just that the 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 style didn't grip me. I wish... How can I phrase this? I wish any part of the story kind of shocked me as much as the ending did, and you literally know the ending from the title. But for yeah. some reason, <laughs> I was still kind of just... I kind of like blinked, you know, a couple times quickly at the end. I don't... Uh, yeah, I feel like we explore that maybe on the episodes. But yeah. anyway, yeah, for some reason, that's it still did get me. I don't <laughs> not sure why (laughs) but yeah no the rest of it just you do kind of hum along and i think if a quick accusation would be made against it it would either be the style ones we've we've briefly alluded to or just kind of that it has at the core of it unfortunately kind of a melodrama plot line subplot to it that yeah can definitely not work for some people perhaps yeah it's very it's very much teenage you know in the minds and lifestyles and tribulations of teenage you know behaviors or something so there's that even in the dialect and dialogue of teenagers i completely (laughs) forgot about that but we don't have time (laughs) go to the book review and clubs please and you can read it with us and we can get into it there so yeah i I completely forgot about that until you just said it but a hundred (laughs) percent it has some strange bold choices (laughs) with teen talk getting that teen talk in okay from this set of six books, Amanda, any final recommendations, requests, other than to, I guess, please read, right? We can affirm and say, I mean, everything, but they, they both die. Although, for a certain reader in a certain day, if you're looking for kind of a positive friendship affirmation, that has its place in the sun, too. I think the rest get pretty strong recommendations, this go. Yeah, yeah, I would still, yeah. even even with they both die at the end, if you, if you want something light, but oddly optimistic and and mm-hmm. yeah, affirming, it is. then yeah, that's a good book. Definitely. 
and I think well, my number one true great yours burn shadows the, there if you want the strongest possible there we go hopefully we gave those recommendations to you thanks as always for listening we have been the lightly literary podcast again we have Facebook and Instagram accounts under that name the lightly literary podcast all one word so follow us there rate and review wherever you're hearing this we do appreciate that so much it does help we have other books coming up do we want to announce them in a highlights episode let's not right check the feed I didn't plan for this <laughs> and I feel you know unfair burdening either of us with that anyway yeah just keep your eye on the feed it will post book recommendations are every other Monday and then book clubs are every Friday so we always split our books into two and kind of cover them that way so yeah keep your eyes on the feeds we thank you so much for listening and as always we'll see you between the pages you